This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That is the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers get the season off to a good start. They beat Buffalo 38-17. to There was some good. There was some bad. We'll break it all down. Obviously get into Tanner Mordecai's day that had some positives and obviously some negatives. Talk a little bit about the defense. We'll get to your Twitter questions as well. Got one overreaction or no to give you as well, Jesse. Before I do any of that, just want to remind everybody that we are out at Monk's Bar and Grill every Thursday for Temple and Heilprint. Had a great time out there last week. Stayed around, watched Minnesota and Nebraska go at it. Watched, obviously, Graham Mertz in Florida and Utah take on each other there. And that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good drinks, good good people out there, good food, good football. Well, who knows about good football sometimes. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But NFL football coming up this Thursday uh, at Monks because the Lions and the Chiefs are going to get going. So we'll try and stop out if you can. All right. Jesse, let's get into this. Uh, Wisconsin does beat Buffalo. It, it was a little bit of a sluggish start, I would say, certainly offensively for Wisconsin. But they got it going behind Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. They combined for nearly 300 yards on the ground. They score four touchdowns. Ches had the big one, the 89-yarder, tied for the fifth longest in school history. It was the running game, and I know that's kind of what your focus was in your, uh, in your post-game story. Yeah, obviously there was eight months of hand-wringing about what is this Wisconsin offense and identity going to be, and it is obviously changing and it will continue to evolve. But I go back to what Phil Longo told us in January. The very first question that he received was about what's the deal with this air raid, essentially, and he couldn't wait to give an answer because there was this huge misconception when you hear those words about what it's going to be like. Most people, I think, that are familiar with it think the – the late Mike Leach and his style. You're going to throw the ball 50 times. As Braden Locke has said, if you ran the ball more than five times and a half, you might get chewed out. Uh, that's not how Longo's done things. And Longo said, I would be an idiot not to run the football here with the types of running backs and offensive linemen we have. And we saw why on Saturday, because Braylon and Chez, when healthy, may be the best, certainly in the conversation among the best running back duos in the country. Just they were outstanding. Braylon and Chez each had two touchdowns. You mentioned the, the touchdown run that Chez had, the long one. Really just the speed and the power, the burst, everything. When he's healthy, it makes you realize how special he is because he's kind of got gotten overlooked. He's gone from starter to here comes Braylon Allen. And you don't maybe maybe he's more of an afterthought and the injuries haven't helped. But those two guys together with an offensive line that I thought blocked very well which was another big question coming into this new scheme in this season um it was just a a good thing to see i think even though fans would have loved to see more out of the passing game too yeah when i looked at what Chez did and i i asked him afterwards because we met i think back to the eastern michigan game was that last year or two years ago where he got caught from behind and you know probably got some crap for it too because Isaac Rendell then went and did like his his thing and, and ran away from guys in that same game for whatever reason he just looks more explosive he looks faster and he certainly looked more determined I shouldn't say more determined he's always kind of been determined but like he just had it all together it felt like that was like the best of what we've seen from from Ches Belusi and I know he had that really big game at Purdue a couple of years ago 
but I thought that that was his best game in a Wisconsin uniform. And it simply isn't just because of the 89 yarder that obviously stands out, but he only carried the ball 12 other times. And it felt like maybe outside of one or two carries was explosive through the hole. And I don't know that we've seen that from him. And I think it's because he's as healthy as he's ever been. And I know Braylon mentioned that and I kind of totally agree with it. And while Braylon did not have like a, a bunch of big runs and he had the, the late one what was at 37, 30, almost 40 yards, right. Uh, where he ran through some guys and he had the long touchdown run, his longish touchdown run compared to Chess, not so long, but um, he ran through guys. And it's the stuff that we didn't get to see in fall camp because you're not tackling him. He ran through dudes and he punished guys. I mean, there were there were a lot of Buffalo players that stayed down after trying to tackle Braylon Allen. And I thought he was powerful. And we saw a little bit of the quickness and the burst that we maybe didn't see all of last year because he was dinged up. Both of those guys, if healthy, you're right. Right up there is one some of the some of the better running backs duo wise in the country. It's definitely encouraging for the Badgers to see what they were able to do. And I wrote down some of the the snap counts, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. And the thing that's maybe even more amazing about what Chez did is he only played 20 offensive snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. Braylon played 46, which honestly caught me by surprise a little bit because over the course of the game, and maybe this was only certain drives, I know the second drive comes to mind, it kind of just felt like they were rotating um, close to even. Now, again, that was my perception, and the game goes a lot faster, at least when you don't count all the commercials. Somehow it ends up being three hours and 40 minutes. But for Chess to have that much... Uh, action on just 20 snaps it says a lot about what they're going to do with him when he's on the field they're they're going to utilize every opportunity they can with him and another thing that i mentioned in in my story is that i think is an interesting wrinkle here i do think the fact that yeah the passing game wasn't what people had hoped but just the fact they have that kind of passing attack where you've consistently got three wide receivers lined up you're generally putting a tight end out there you're spreading the defense out. This is everything we heard about in the offseason with why Chez and Braylon were so excited. The box is a little lighter because defenses have to respect the passing game. And I, I think that also played a significant factor in the success the running backs had. And it doesn't hurt that the offensive line was able to block. I went back and looked at that Chez touchdown run. I don't know if you looked at that one. They had the entire left side of the line. Like Jack Nelson, Joe Huber, and Tanner Bordellini. Those three guys contributed to taking out two dudes and Chez took care of the rest. Yeah, I mentioned that to Jack Nelson after the game and was like, it looked like he blocked two guys in that play. And, you know, he did. I mean, he worked his way to the second level and got to the linebacker and got just enough of him. He was kind of worried that he was going to get called for maybe a, a block in the back there. But yeah, I don't think it was particularly close. It, but he, yeah, he got a couple guys. They they walled it down and he was able to make that cutback and and, and take off. It helps, and and Nelson said this afterwards that you're not facing those boxes like you were, and yeah. it just felt like you were banging your head against the wall all the time. And and on Saturday that wasn't the case. And again, Buffalo is probably not the best defense that they're going to face, uh, especially in the front seven. But it was a nice start, I think, for them. One other aspect of Braylon and Chaz, and more so Braylon, obviously, is the passing is him his involvement in the passing game. It wasn't a ton of yards. I think it was only like 25 yards or something like that. But he had seven catches, which was a career high by far. And it puts him on pace for 91 catches this year. 
Over under 91 catches for Braylon Allen this season, Jesse. Going to take the under, but I like when you told him what he was on pace for. He was hyped about it. He, he goes, that, that'd be sick. Uh, yeah, 91 catches, probably not going to happen. And I think, but again, those those are easy passes for the quarterback to make. Get it into his hands and maybe let him go and make some plays and let him deliver some punishment with a running with a head start. And that's exactly what he did a couple of times on when he did get the chance to to carry the ball. So or um to catch passes. So that that obviously stood out as well. Do we want to get into the passing game here? Get into Tanner Mordecai was not probably the debut he wanted. You could kind of tell that after the game. He was he talked to us, talked a lot. Um I think towards the end of it, it got a little short. <laughs> there were there were some shorter answers there because he was pissed. You could tell in his face he was pissed, you could, and that's just what it is. He made some really nice throws, and then he made two throws that you can't make. One, I think, was a physical mistake. The second one was a mental mistake, right? He threw behind Tucker Ashcraft on the very late, threw behind him, and it was intercepted, and he was able to at least chase the guy down and make him cut back in and go down to the ground, which then led to a missed field goal by Buffalo. So it proved to be a pretty big play. And then obviously the the late crosser didn't even see uh, the linebacker and threw it right to him. And it was a nice play, but it is what it is. Those two plays obviously stand out to fans. And I think that's certainly um, okay. When I look at his debut, I think it's not as bad as maybe – the initial impression is there's no doubt that the two interceptions, they can't happen moving forward. Those are the ones that stand out. And at the same time, I do wonder what the conversation would be like had Skylar Bell simply caught what was Tanner's best throw of the day. It was Wisconsin had the ball at its own 40 yard line. Tanner took three steps back and threw a perfect pass against two deep safeties. And Skylar had him beat. He just dropped it. And that stuff's going to happen. But it would have been a 60 yard shouldn't happen when you're that open, but we it's, know you're right. It's going to happen. Happens. Yeah. If just hypothetically, if you added that 60 yard touchdown pass to his stat line, well, first of all, you wouldn't have the interception that came two plays later. I know that doesn't work this way, but that would have given him 259 yards passing. And that would have been a program record for a quarterback making his debut in terms of passing yards. Now I'm not, gonna compare that debut to russell wilson's when he had the great touchdown run against UNV and certainly graham mertz but just i think it would have changed the conversation a little and i mean he threw seven incompletions so it wasn't terrible it's just those two interceptions are magnified and understandably so but on the whole i think there was um a lot of reason to be more optimistic than it seems based on social media people are. I know that his teammates are, are pretty optimistic because of some of the, the smaller things, the poise, everything that we kind of knew about Tanner coming in. And I thought he made a couple really nice plays that uh, the third and three really stands out to me. The, there was this, this situation where Wisconsin, it was, it ended up being the touchdown pass to Chimray DK, but they barely crossed midfield. He rolled to his right. Sean Dolak, the linebacker, ended up picking off that second uh, interception. He had him dead to rights. It should have been a six-yard loss on the right sideline. And Mordecai juked him, picked up a first down to move the sticks, and ended up throwing that touchdown pass to DK. So I think there were some good things that Tanner did, but his, his bar is extremely high, as it should be. 
And that's why he was so upset afterward. I thought there were some good throws in there. There's, there certainly were. And also the fact is he was also able to hold on to the ball for an extended period of time. Uh, he got some good, good protection. He was sacked just once. And I thought it was interesting that Luke Fickle said that he was aggressive, but not overly aggressive to throw it into some of these deep windows when guys were bailing out and essentially saying, you know, when they're bailing out and they're trying to force you to throw things in front of them, don't try and force it down the field. Don't try and force things that aren't there. And he didn't for the most part, you know, the, the, the two throws that he made, one was just a, the two interceptions. One was just a bad throw. And the other one, he just didn't, he did not see the guy. And those are things that will get you beat against better competition. But luckily for them, they weren't playing better competition and you, you can learn from it. But I know that that doesn't make fans feel any better about it. I know there was a lot of uh, hand wringing afterwards about, is this, is this Tanner Mertz? Like that, that uh, some people in my mentions, that's what they were saying. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of the things and some of the questions that you guys had when we go into our Twitter questions here in a little bit, but wide receiver wise, Tim Ray only had one catch. I believe, I don't know how many times he was targeted twice, maybe, maybe three Not times. A lot. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a lot. He had the one catch was a touchdown. Bryson green was targeted uh, a bit. Will Pauling ended up leading the wide receivers in catches with five for 55 had a nice catch and run. It was, I, there were some nice plays, but it was also kind of a spread around. And we also know that maybe they, they feel like they have five guys right now that they can play, right? We got mm-hmm. to see plenty of Jeremy DK, plenty of Will Pauling, plenty of, plenty of Skyler Bell, plenty of Bryson Green, plenty of C.J. Williams. And then that was it. We didn't get to see Keontes Lewis until late in that game. He made a catch. It was a first down catch late in that game, but he was not being rotated in with the rest of the guys. Yeah, that was slightly surprising, largely because he had just been a part of the rotation with everyone else in the in the fall. But six I, I, is still a lot. I wonder how many. I wonder if you know injury wise, like how long? Because he missed he missed time. He was not taking part in that Saturday scrimmage that we uh, got to see. So I mean, it's possible that he missed extended time here towards the end of camp. We don't know that for sure, uh, but that would certainly lead to maybe not being on the field as much. And they were, I mean, they're. I don't want to say they're hurting at wide receiver because we, we talked about the six, but the the two guys that are the young guys, I think a lot of people are excited about maybe their future, especially Chris Brooks Jr. Uh, on crutches yesterday and his left foot in a boot. So unfortunately, you know, he obviously missed a ton of spring because of a broken foot and now back in a boot, back on crutches and dinged up. And Tommy McIntosh also did not dress due to injury. So um, Tucker Ashton, the- go ahead. Oh. Sorry. Well, one other thing I wanted to touch on in the in the passing game, this is a, a story that I'm writing for The Athletic on Monday about Tanner, but I think it's also worth noting that the game plan specifically for Buffalo may have been a little different from what we'll see for from in future games. And I, I say that obviously because Mordecai sort of alluded to that in that he he was going off the plan that Phil Longo created. But if you just look at, and I had obviously have access to some of these advanced metrics, he threw 13 passes that traveled to behind the line of scrimmage. He completed all 13, 13 for 13 behind the line of scrimmage. They only threw three passes that traveled in the air, 15 plus yards. And that is just not something I anticipate in the future from this, 
this offense. Yes, they had a lot of success on the ground, but the, one of the key reasons for excitement is what you can do down the field. And I, I do wonder just how much of it was tailored to this game. Um, I don't have the answer, obviously, but I do think it's telling where the ball went pretty consistently and how rarely they threw it down the field. I just, I don't anticipate that happening because even when Longo was at North Carolina, they averaged more than eight throws of 15 plus yards down the field per game. That is a substantial difference in my mind. What happened on those three plays uh, on those three plays? Well, a drop that was, should have been a touchdown. Um, now I feel like I need to go look. Well, no, I mean, the other one is obviously the, the throw to Chim for the yeah. touchdown. Yes. Deep down the middle. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it, it, they had some success and Tanner had some success. I mean, Tanner's throws were successful. Uh, and obviously Chim fighting to get into the end zone was good, but had they been able to hit on that, that big one, the reason I didn't bring it up while we were just talking about this was because it was one of the questions as part of the, uh, the Twitter questions that we got. So I was, sure. I was going to get to it. I was going to get to it. The lack of uh, throws down the field. And as I mentioned before, with what Luke Fickle said, you know, there were, he, he held on to it and did not make some of those deep throws trying to throw into coverage. Um, so whether that's uh, wide receivers not getting open or whether it's him just holding on to it, it's a little bit more difficult to tell because there's no an all there's no all twenty two <laughs> that we can that we can go back and look at, unfortunately. So it is what it is, and uh, we'll see exactly what it looks like against Washington State next week. Before we go to the defensive side of the ball, Tucker Ashcraft makes his debut, couple of catches, couple of first downs. He looked the he looked legit, and you know when when Fickle talked about him afterwards. He said he's going to be a good one, and by week four, he's probably not going to feel like a freshman anymore. And they played him like that, too, because he ended up with 34 snaps and Hayden Rucci had 45. Now, certainly some of that is out of necessity, given the lack of bodies in the tight end room, but he obviously made the most of his opportunities. Had a nice catch and run. Um, I, he he looks like a player, certainly, and uh, almost a guy that kind of Bell in Wisconsin's lap. It's really interesting. He, he was previously committed to Colorado and was part of that situation where the staff wanted to overhaul the roster. Seems to have worked out pretty well for the Buffaloes, but Tucker ended up making a visit to Wisconsin. So it worked out for the Badgers because they needed a tight end. And I don't think anybody could have, even Tucker, because he said we had a chance to talk to him after the game briefly. He had no idea this is what was going to happen in his first year here. But of all the freshmen that came in in that 2023 recruiting class, He's the one who was elevated, and we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of him this season, too. Yeah, we, we definitely will. And again, I, th I thought he didn't look overwhelmed by any stretch. So certainly uh, good for him. All right. Other side of the ball. What stood I mean, Wisconsin's offense, we're, we're lamenting a lot of this, but they put up 501 yards, right? So it yeah. wasn't like a, a, bad, a bad effort offensively. It just wasn't as explosive in the passing game as I think a lot of people were hoping to see. And then the two mistakes that obviously Tanner made stick out, but on the other side of the ball, they give up 316 yards, 194 in the passing game, 122 rushing. There were positives and negatives on that side of the ball as well. I thought certainly their ability to get off the field when they needed to uh, Buffalo was two for 15 on third down about 13%. That's pretty darn good. They got a couple of fourth down stops, fourth and short stops 
which was really impressive and needed down in their own, you know, in their own territory. And then, you know, you had some of the big plays, especially the big passing plays. Um, the one where Alexander Smith got beat on the rubber out and then the, the touchdown that Kamoi Latu gave up and then the touchdown that Travion Blaylock gave up, essentially the same route by the same guy. But overall, solid. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. I'd give it the standards for Wisconsin's defense are so high. It feels like a, I don't know, a B, B plus. I mean, and maybe B plus is even too kind based on, again, what the, what the standard is. You know, Buffalo goes down the field and they get that 51-yard reception that you mentioned um, on Alexander Smith and then the touchdown pass, Kamoe Latu gets faked out, bites inside, and it's an easy touchdown catch. I thought there were definitely some interesting things that happened. They ended up, putting Nizir Forkurine in there pretty consistently in place of Alexander Smith for various portions of that game. So that to me was notable. I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I come away from it feeling like agreeing more with some of your concerns before the season began, particularly when it comes to the defensive line and off the edge, just because it didn't, who is that guy that you say like, from those particular positions is is making the plays now hunter woller is coming from a different place and he leads the team in tackles which is not really a, a surprise but it does make you wonder what some of these better teams can do in the run game if if buffalo can have at least a little bit of success and again it's easier to lament probably or, or nitpick after a, a win like this but competition's only going to get more challenging yeah they they may not get a, a stiffer test against Washington state in the run game. Washington state could not run the ball against Colorado state. They threw it all over the yard and we'll yes. get to that. We'll, we'll get to that later this week, but it's going to be a much tougher assignment against that offense than this, than this one. I think the Nizier Forkering and Alex Smith thing is very interesting because it felt like Alex got the first quarter. Nizier got the second quarter. Alex got the third quarter and Nizier got the fourth quarter. And I was not expecting that whatsoever. Now, maybe, maybe that's the plan going in, or maybe they didn't like the way that Alex is playing. I don't know, but I think that's a question that certainly when Luke Fickle talks on Monday is something that definitely needs to be, to be asked about, right? Because that you expected coming in this year that Alex Smith was going to be your top corner. And he, he, Based on playing time yesterday, that wasn't the case. On the other hand, Jason Baitry and Ricardo Holman barely heard their names, and that is obviously a, a good thing. It did not feel like Ricardo Holman got challenged at all down the field, and Jason Baitry got challenged a couple times. That one almost catch for a touchdown that the guy had, you know, the one arm thing, but for the most part, it, they didn't have a ton of success. That said, I also think the stats are a little bit misleading in terms of the pressure that they got on on Cole Steiner. I thought, despite the fact that I think it says, I think the stats give gave Wisconsin how many five quarterback hurries. I, I think it was I think it was more than that. Uh, there were a couple, especially on third downs where it was third and long, and they were able to get some pressure on Cole Steiner. And he threw the ball. The thing I'll say about him is he did not throw the ball into places where he wasn't supposed to, except for maybe once. And he would throw it away. Like he was not going to take a sack. He was throwing it away and not throwing it into, into coverage very much. So it was, it was a tough game for those guys to get pressure. It's probably going to be even tougher with a guy like with Cam Ward, but look, it was game one with a new system. We got to see a lot of two, four, five, got to see a lot of the, the dollar package. I think 
the idea of hitting the ground running on both sides of the ball was unrealistic coming in. And while they did run the ball quite well offensively, there's certainly things that were not going to happen perfectly in game one. And we kind of saw that with a brand new staff and so many new players and so many new faces in new places. Another thing worth mentioning on the defensive side of the ball, Kamoi Latu and uh, just being able to wrap up another PFF stat here pro football focus has him credited for five missed tackles, which is, I had a colleague who told me that. And I, I, I said, frankly, I I'm not surprised based on what we saw. And that, that is apparently tied for the, the most in the country. Um, just had a really tough day, I think. Um, and we've seen him have really good moments last season as a starter. And I would expect more, but wrapping up and tackling something that has got to be more consistent. Yeah, that was not his best day. Gave up the touchdown, obviously, the missed tackles. Uh, we, we The most famous missed tackle that he has came against Washington State last year against Nikhil Watson in the open field where you know he was able to, to break free and score a touchdown and uh, play a big role in that that win, at least around the, around the end zone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, he's, he's got a lot to make up for, I think is, I think that, and he probably would say the same thing, you know, whenever he's <laughs> allowed to talk next. Um, so there are certainly things to clean up. There's also, I think there's also a lot of positives that you could, that you could take uh, that I thought Nizier played well. I thought Jake Cheney a couple times, him flying up out of nowhere on that, not out of nowhere. Uh, but flying up from the inside linebacker spot to drop the guy on the option run. Like he, I watched it this morning and he just took off like a missile after the guy from the snap. Like, and he, he knew that Jeff Petrowski was going to take the quarterback. He was going to take the running back and he dropped him. And it was a, it was a big play in that moment. I thought Jordan Turner had a big time third down stop in coverage, tra- uh, tra- tracking down a guy that, you know, had he not made that tackle would have been a first down. So there were, there were some plays made by guys. It just wasn't the flash plays they don't get any turnovers they just didn't have the flash plays necessarily uh that we have come to know them for three tackles for loss no sacks no interceptions no fumble recoveries no fumbles um so that stuff that stuff stands out to people when they look at the box score but unfortunate for turner too that he got ejected for targeting in the fourth quarter so he's gonna miss the first half against washington state which isn't the I suppose, worst thing for Wisconsin because it just so happens the Badgers have three starter caliber players there, but not ideal. And Luke Fickle was asked about it afterward, and he is absolutely not a fan of players being ejected for targeting. And I can't say I disagree, quite honestly. I understand the intent of the rule and weeding out dirty plays or, or dangerous plays, but so many of these come down to that bang, bang. It's the difference of an inch it wasn't malicious and now you're kicking somebody out and then penalizing them the next week. It's uh, but this is where we're at. It is. And that's like, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's a horrible law laws, rules in general. Like, yeah, I don't agree with everything, but it it is what it is and you have to abide by it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't abide by it, then you get penalized for it. But I would totally agree. I'm not a fan of the ejection either. He, you know, you can't you can't uh can't find them now maybe maybe eventually when they start getting paid maybe you can start finding them i don't know but uh you can't find them so there's no there's no cba in place to find these guys for certain things that happen it is it is what it is but i i i hate i hate the ejection 
especially on a play like that, which there was there was no menace, there was no malice there intended, and it wasn't an, it wasn't a big hit. <laughs> uh, so, but that's college football, and you have to play by their rules because it's just what it is. You can you can hate them all you want, but it is what it is. Um, all right, couple of uh, what one one overreaction or nah from a comment that I got off of Wisconsin being a three-point favorite uh, against Washington State next week. Michael Drew, he says, this thing is floundering early. Is that an overreaction? Is that an overreaction or no? Strikes me as an overreaction. Yeah, it wasn't the explosive, awesome, greatest thing you've ever seen in week one. They still won the game going away by three touchdowns and have enough to work on. But I, I like the pieces that they have. Yeah, it's an overreaction. It's an overreaction. And that's fine. People, look, it's game one. There are people that are going to crap on it and be worried about Washington State, and they should be. Washington State put it to Colorado State. That's going to be a challenge. But that I always thought it was going to be a challenge. Like, the, the Buffalo game was going to be what it is, but you're going to see what kind of team Wisconsin was going to be when you go out to Washington State. You go on the road for the first time in what is going to it's It's a primetime game here in Madison. It's a 430 kick out or a – 4.30? Yeah, 4.30. Doesn't matter. 4.30 kick out there. Um, so it's going to be a test. And Wisconsin is obviously going to have to play much better on both sides of the ball, especially in the passing game. And I, I think in, in limiting some of the bigger plays on, on defense. But we'll see. All right. Let's get into some of these Twitter questions here. This is from... Thumbs up, Barry. He says, was this pretty much the ideal start for a new regime? Win pretty comfortably. Game was never in doubt. Plenty of positives, plenty to still work on, but not the Mertz 20 for 21 5 TD game to create unrealistic expectations for everyone, especially fans. Ideal. I don't know if the coaches would say it's ideal. Um, I don't know. I think they would have liked to have seen a little bit more in the passing game, but no team's going to play perfect football in week one. It's what Fickle's talked about on multiple occasions. It's it's not a bad situation to be in. And I know one of the players talked about it after the game. I can't remember who, but just you have lessons to learn, but you can do it in a win. So I suppose from that perspective, that is a best case type of scenario. Um, CT Badger says, and I'm not reading this just because he agrees with me, but uh, he says, Zach, your turnover concern about Mordecai proved prescient. Good news. The spread has definitely opened up the running game. However, against better teams, an inconsistent offense will put pressure on poor tackling defense. Is a two and two start a risk here? Two and two start. That losses to Washington State and Purdue on the road. Um, Did you see Purdue yesterday? It wasn't it wasn't pretty. They, got, they lost good, at home right? to Fresno State. Is it possible? It's always possible, but I don't think it's probable. Um, Wisconsin hasn't lost to Purdue in 20 years. I get this is going to be a Friday night game, Big Ten opener, but I think Wisconsin's going to consistently improve. And so I, I, I don't see that. But the interception thing, definitely something we're going to have to continue to monitor. Obviously, when he was at SMU, he did a very good job of taking care of the ball. I think he threw an interception every... It's like 40.8, 41 throws, something like that. 
And now he's got an interception every 15 and a half throws here. So <laughs> a significantly different margin, much smaller sample size. But yeah, those are just two you can't make. And he talked about a little bit about what happened on those plays through behind Ashcraft on a um, on a route to the right. And the other one, he just he didn't see the linebacker, but can't make those. No, uh, Jay asks from our vantage point, it appeared from the, excuse me, from his vantage point, it appeared that there were numerous opportunities for QB runs off of a drop back. Taking those may have opened up more things in the passing game. How much of that did you see during practices? Should we expect more of that moving forward? Every once in a while we saw it. We know Tanner can do it. And I, I mean, I obviously already referenced the third and three where he showed an ability to elude a tackler. He's got some athleticism. I think there are going to be some situations where they can do quarterback draws. It's going to open up, obviously, the more you spread this defense out. So I would anticipate that would be a small part of the game plan moving forward at the same time. The less you can do to put your quarterback at risk, I think, is probably the better given where you can get the ball. Uh, Marcus J. Mark says, um, was that level of QB play, was that the level of QB play you saw in camp? And he kind of, to clarify, he said, there were some great throws, just a, just a lot of checkdowns, and then some really bad decision throws too. Curious if that was a level of consistency you saw in camp. I would say he was better than what he showed on Saturday in camp, but also there were a lot of similarities. Like we knew a big part of this offense based on practice was going to be short throws into the flat. I mean, we, I, I know I reported on it. They were those, a certain practice. Now I can't remember which one because they all blend together from the preseason. Every throw they made essentially was under 10 yards. So that's clearly a big element of the offense. But in terms of, you know, turning the ball over, I think he was better than that for the, the vast majority of practices. I would say that the the interceptions, I think that was maybe the same number of interceptions we saw him throw during fall camp. Like I, I there were not, there weren't that many. There just weren't. So again, you are who you are when you play, when you play, that's just, that's just the way it is. So we can sit here and say that this wasn't what it was in practice. And he was so much better here and so much better there. when he goes on plays, he has to play like that. Um, and he hasn't in the two times that he's played in front of fans for, at Wisconsin. He's not good in the spring game, very, very aggressive and got obviously uh, lit up for it. And he wasn't great yesterday, even though he had great moments, he's had great moments but it hasn't been consistent and he threw two interceptions that people are going to harp on and, and uh, focus on. And it's, I can't sit there and say that that's a bad thing to focus on. There were bad, one bad throw and one bad decision, but I, again, no, we didn't see that in practice. That was not who he was in practice. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. Vance says I'm a bit taken aback by them completely abandoning going under center. I thought they would supplement the air raid to, the good traditional parts of the Wisconsin offense. Can they really win the big 10 style or they can really, can they really win in the big 10 with this air raid offense? You can win in the big 10 without going under center. Uh, I have a different perspective because I got to watch all the practices. So I am not taken aback at all. It was more, you were more taken aback when you saw them go under center, if they ever got to a goal line type situation. So this is who they are and what they're going to be, but 
they can have success in this offense. We saw what they did on the ground. You don't have to be under center. And in fact, I think this has its own advantages because you can start to get downhill instead of backpedaling. Right. Um, Grandpa Jay says, everyone will complain about quarterback play, but how big will this season be for running back recruiting if Ches and Allen do this repeatedly? Going to be monstrous if they can do that and show for anyone who may have had concerns, we know they've got a, at this point, very good running back group for 2024 with three commits, including two four-star players. But when you put this on the field, people take notice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, ben goes and talks about kind of some of the things that we mentioned before. Uh, was our lack of was Wisconsin's lack of downfield passing attack more attributed to Mordecai being timid, receivers not getting open, or just missed windows when they were open? It's hard to know exactly without being in the room with them or going over the film with them, but I think it was multiple contributing factors, like we've talked about. Fickle said that didn't want to attack it if it wasn't there, and I also think it was a part of the plan to try and dink and duck, dunk, for lack of a better way to put it. All right, we got a few more here to get to. Duke says, should we be worried that the playmakers we heard about in the offseason aren't entirely playmaker-ish? Other than the running backs, there wasn't a time when a player got the ball in his hands and I thought, look out, here we go. Not yet. Um, not to me. I think Bryson Green is going to be that dude. Again, Shimre DK didn't get a ton of targets. You saw what happened when he got one. Made nice yards after the catch move. I mean, um, to get in. Uh, so I think it's there. And we know, we also didn't talk about this, even though we we knew this was going to be the plan. The the Bryson Green, C.J. Williams thing is interesting because I think I've got what I have. Bryson played 46 snaps and C.J. played 26 snaps. But then there was also that sequence that you saw where they're on the field together and Chimmer was out. So I think it's it's interesting in different combinations, but I, I'm not willing to say that there aren't guys that, that can be big-time playmakers. Right. And again, I, I thought Will Pauling, the one in Fickle kind of chided him in the post game a little bit uh, about not taking advantage of being in the open field. But there was one where he got that the wide receiver screen that he took for 20 yards where I thought that was the type of Will Pauling that we saw in camp. And some of his route running, again, got him open. There was an, uh, one of Tanner's better throws a little out back in. And he got it right past the linebacker, and it was a great route by, by Pauling to get open. He, yeah, I, I think they're going to be okay there. Um, could they use? I mean, look, you can only do what you what you do with when you get the ball in your hands. And I don't I, when you're not throwing the ball down the field. I don't know if you're expecting guys to take it every single time, take it to the house every single time they get the ball on a little little out route. Like is I, I don't know necessarily exactly what you're expecting there i think pauling has a chance to be electric he just and he, we saw a little bit of it but it wasn't probably up to the standards of where he wants to be every single time i think i think that's fair to say uh Skyler, i still think he's going to be the leading receiver by the way i still I, i'm still on that train i don't think braylon's gonna have 91 catches five catches 55 yards target he, he caught all five targets that came his way so yeah Pretty sure I said that. I want to say that I said that in the spring, and I don't think I'm changing from that either. We'll see. But the under on Chimray's catches for sure at this point. Um, <laughs> also, all right. Um, Colby says, should we expect more deep shots as the offense gets more comfortable? 
Yes, 100%. I'll be stunned if this is the norm. Chris says, what's more concerning, the offense, for the most part, being unable to push ball down the field and Tanner Mordecai's two bad interceptions, or the defense being unable to generate a pass rush and support tackling? Well, I know you think they generated a better pass rush than some people seem to believe. Um, what what is more... What are the stat? What are, what does Pro Football Focus say about that? Does it say only five pressures? I don't know if you have those numbers. Probably don't have those numbers right in front of you, but I'd have to look. Yeah, again, which I can. Like like the stats that are done in the press box, yeah, are what they are. And whether you want to consider, I, I think yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to look here. Okay. So. All right. Well. All right. I was trying to. All right, you can stall and I'll look. No, I don't need I don't need to stall. I just I think that it was better than than what was actually given credit for because they were trying to get the ball in their hands quite a bit and they did it, they did a lot of stuff quickly. I thought there were moments that they had some success in getting uh after the quarterback. Now again, maybe that's that's not true and and I'm wrong and that's fine, but there were I thought more pressures than 5 and I thought he took Snyder took a couple big hits as well. Yeah. So Well, Pro Football Focus, again, I don't want to take PFF as gospel, but they're essentially doing the work, so I don't have to by rewatching the game because I know if you talk to coaches, they wonder who the hell is out there marking these things when it may not be how they view things, but this is the number that I have. They've got Wisconsin for 15 hurries. <laughs> um, oh. and three and, and three hits. So they've got Wisconsin for 18 total pressures. They've got Daryl Peterson had four, Jordan Turner and James Thompson Jr. each had three, as did Muma Jung Mehta. Gio Piaz had two. Again, don't take that as gospel, but that's considerably different. Well, uh, since it backs up my point, I'm going to take it as gospel and All say, right. and say, wow, that 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 figures more into into my mind into what I actually saw. Now was it 15? Probably not. I'd probably no. say it was probably my, my guess. My guess without going back and watching every single snap would probably be nine to 10, but five seems extremely low and 15 seems way too high or 18 seems way too high. Either way, moving on. Uh, Mark says not an O-line expert, but it seemed like slow snaps hurt the rhythm of the plays and the O-line in general continues to be inconsistent. Did you guys see the same? I think the snapping thing is certainly something that has stood out in, in both in fall camp and in the game, the ball got to the quarterback every single time, which is the most important thing. But I do think that there is a little bit of delay at times with the slowness sometimes that that Tanner snaps it with. Again, he had inconsistent issues or inconsistency issues in getting the ball where it needed to be in the spring. We didn't see many of those issues barely at all in fall camp, but I think it's also because it's not exactly firing out there. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been talking about this for quite a while all of preseason, but um, I don't know. It's hard because I, I think the offensive line in general did a pretty decent job. And maybe it's certainly in the run game. There were some big holes for those guys, but you got to get the play started. So I know it's something that, that Tanner Bordellini is continuing to work on. And, and he got all the, all the center snaps. We, we didn't talk about that either, that they went with six, which wasn't a surprise, but it was Trey Wedding at right guard for Michael Fertney and everyone else. They went through the entire game with basically the, the same group. So that was interesting too. Uh, Jay says was he was impressed with how 
Buffalo schemed open receivers in the red zone, blown assignments, wrong D calls or poor execution on Wisconsin's end. Again, one of those things where if I was in the room with Mike Tressel, I'd ask and hopefully get an answer, but we know that Wisconsin seemed to be out of position on a couple of those, right? Where the safeties, they yeah. just, they weren't Both in a position to be open. Like, especially, I mean, I, yeah, the first one, Latu, he went, he bit inside, the receiver faked and went outside and and he was toast. And then Blaylock, I think, ended up, what, behind the behind the play a little bit or behind the receiver? No, he was in front of the receiver. Like, he, or I, if, I, I think he, I think he thought that it was yeah, going to I be, meant. yeah, I think he thought it was going to be a flat route and just lost. He just, I mean, he has lost sight of the wide receiver who just did essentially the exact same route as he did on the first touchdown and yeah. uh, was was totally out of, and he was not in position to make a play in the ball because of it. Yeah, I meant by trailing the receiver. He was behind him as the guy was going to get a touchdown. Does that make yes. sense? Yeah, but, it does. You know does. what I mean? Yep, I do. Now I do. Now that you're, <laughs> you're, you're saying that, I do. Um, so uh, Tim threw a couple different things at it, at, at us. Um the tackling we've already talked about the he, he said the 15 is spamming 15 wide receiver screens more effective than running into eight man boxes. I don't know if we saw 15 wide receiver screens there were there were quite a few. And I thought that there were I mean, again, you're setting other stuff up with some of that stuff, too. But the one I, I wanted to comment on here is you mentioned Tanner versus Russ comparisons, but it's looking like Tanner versus Mertz would be more apt so far. And I can say that I never compared outside of them being senior transfer quarterbacks. I've never said Tanner Mordecai is Russ Wilson. Never. Now, in terms of statistics, could he do that because of the offense? Could he challenge what Russ did that year? Statistically, maybe. But he is nowhere near the quarterback that Russell Wilson is or uh, was at Wisconsin. I've never made that comparison. So I wanted to get that out there. I don't think we made those comparisons, did we? I I made the statistical comparison because it's just natural about they're running an air raid. They've got all these weapons. Look what he did the last years at SMU. I think he can throw for more yards than Russell, but right. Yeah. Russell is generational quarterback. Isn't even right because it's, it's, it's even further apart based on, you know, what we've seen here. He was, what did he end up being a third round pick of the Seahawks? Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime. Yeah. Quarterback for Wisconsin. Yeah. Whoever, whoever, if anybody was making comparisons between the two did had not, had never seen Tanner Mordecai play before. I think, that was not the best of Tanner Mordecai yesterday. He's got better. He does not have Russell Wilson. He's That's not who he is. That's not who he's going to be. Anybody had thought that that was going to be the case? Insane. Best quarterback since Russell Wilson? Could he have been in that conversation? I mean, it's not, a, it's not exactly a murderer's row here of quarterbacks mm-hmm. that you're trying to compare him to. I said before the game last week that if he could give them a Jack Cohn-type season of 2019, I think that'd be a – not, you know, maybe – a few more touchdowns, maybe a few more yards just because of the offense they're playing in. But the interceptions he's already got, <laughs> he's going to get a fly right by Jack Cohn if he uh, plays the way he did on, on Saturday. So that's to me is what you should be trying to reach as opposed to thinking that anybody thought that he was going to be Russ Wilson. Cause that was, that's not me. Never thought I that think was the, com- the case. I think the comparisons are from the statistical side of things, as opposed to, I get that, but that's that's not what this that's not what this is saying. Yeah, he's saying you mentioned Tanner versus Russ comparisons, but it's looking like Tanner versus Mertz would be more apt so far. He's talking about performance. He's not talking about statistics there, because, you know, yeah, whatever. I just I, 
no one in their right mind is making that comparison. And I've been accused of not being in my right mind at times, but this is not one of those times. I've never compared, never said that he was going to be Russell Wilson. Statistically, could he challenge that? Maybe, but he's never going to be that type of quarterback. All right, got that out of my got that out of my system. Wisconsin is going to take on Washington State coming up on Saturday. We'll talk about that game. Uh, Badgers will be back at practice on Tuesday, and we'll talk to players, and then we'll do a show after that. So, looking forward to it. Jesse will be, and then again, Temple and Heilprin on Thursday back at Mucks. All right, thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Camp.